I've warned for years about the logic that was used to accept the homosexual lifestyle as healthy and good. What is this logic? What is this reason? The argument goes something along the lines of, if it's natural, it's moral. The reasoning goes, I didn't choose to be homosexual. I am this way naturally. And if I'm this way naturally, then my sexual attraction is a good thing. To summarize, if my lifestyle is natural, then my lifestyle is moral. Here's the problem, ladies and gentlemen. As soon as you use a line of reasoning in one area, in this case, homosexuality, homosexuality, you have to allow it in another, which brings me to the acronym. The acronym we're talking about, obviously, is the whole LGBTQ+, that represents tolerance. All these letters stand for various things, from sexual orientation to individual sexual and gender identities. The acronym potentially goes on endlessly, and the acronym stands for Solidarity and Unity Across the Endless Spectrum of Self-Identity. So there's like unity and diversity is supposed to be the point, though if you uh, look at the flag that recently came out for uh, the acronym, it looks like a, a mess. But anyways, it's meant to be a good thing, and the plus at the end of the acronym implies that the acronym continues onwards, potentially infinitely. It could just go on forever. The problem, like I said, is the logic behind it. As soon as you use, if it's natural, it's moral, you have to allow all the letters, all, and I put this in caps, all the letters that represent all the orientations. You have to do this because all a person needs to say is, I was born this way. Who are you to tell me I'm wrong? And uh, just to pause on that reasoning for a moment, if it's natural, it's moral. I do want to say that that's very dangerous. There are lots of things in the uh, biological, the animal kingdom that are naturally there that are actually very dangerous. Things like virus and other things that are quite natural, but also quite harmful. So the reasoning itself is wrong, removing it from all uh, sexual examples. But uh, anyways, moving on. Yesterday's conversation was over homosexuality, marriage, and transgenderism. And transgender ideology is also still around today. But anyways, today's conversation still involves those things, like I said, but we now introduce two more letters, P and I. I'll start with P, which stands for pedophilia. I've attached a couple sources. You can find them in, in the, I guess, the notes below when you go to click on this episode. I've attached a couple sources to demonstrate the thinking that is going on in this area. There is a large contingent of people who want to lower the age of consent as far as they can. There is a large underground movement that's becoming more mainstream where kids dance and strip for the pleasure of adults. There are uh, child drag races. and It's deeply upsetting and deeply evil how kids are being sexualized and, and victimized because uh, of that power imbalance, among other things, that kids can't protect themselves. There are several arguments in favor 
of pedophilia, from using the ancient Greeks as an example, to the fact that teens today were adults in the old days who were already starting families and therefore should be able to be sexually active with adults. I can rebut, I can refute all of this reasoning, but that's a topic for another time. So if you would like for me to create a video on my YouTube channel or to have a podcast episode specifically for trans, uh, excuse me, pedophilia arguments, uh, I can do that. Let me know if you're interested. But anyways, back to the P. The uh, pedophilia movement, if I could speak English for a moment, is rebranding itself as MAPS. M-A-P-S, which stands for Minor Attracted People or Minor Attracted Persons. It is an effort to slide in under the all-encompassing acronym, and we need to be aware of it. And it's at this point that I want to pause for a moment. And I'm going to say something potentially controversial, but we need to discuss And we need to implement non-criminal spaces for pedophiles to seek help. So before I go on with these topics, the P and the I, I do want to take a moment to say that we do need spaces. We do need people, relationships, uh, experts, uh, medical professionals that pedophiles can go to for help before they've committed any crimes before they've actually done something to or with children so that uh, they don't lose their jobs, they don't lose their families potentially. There's so much shame and guilt for those who are pedophiles who know they shouldn't be this way, even though a culture might eventually celebrate it because it's, it's natural and therefore some people think that it's a good thing. Many pedophiles recognize that this natural sexual attraction they have towards children, it's not a good thing. In fact, it's incredibly harmful, but they have to stay quiet about it. They can't seek help because they might lose their family. They might lose their job. If they're in the church, they might not be able to go to church. There needs to be non-criminal spaces for pedophiles who have that sexual attraction, but haven't acted on it. But anyways, I wanted to pause and talk about that a little bit. So maybe we're more nuanced, that we're more loving and compassionate towards people in this group who aren't advocating for things to become legal. They recognize, hey, I need help. Anyways, that's the P. And it's one of our next potential moral, cultural, and legal issue we need to educate ourselves on and be ready to fight if necessary, culturally, legally, um, in in our pews, um, at the pulpit. We need to speak on it. The next letter is I, and it stands for incest. Incest is sexual activity and attraction between close, immediate family members. Now, supporters of incest would probably like for me to clarify something. They want to clarify that two family members that have sex will take measures to ensure that there will be no children as a result of sex, and therefore the issue of inbreeding, mutations, genetic problems would be avoided. So they probably would want me to say that children would not be the result of these sexual relationships. Um, For me... The issue of childbirth and obvious potential for grotesque, terrible abuse, 
makes this uh, a non-starter for me. But before I go on, let me also mention another thing that those who are uh, involved in incest would like for me to mention. They probably would also want me to talk about the fact that there would the, the, the people in question would be consenting adults. So I want to make sure those two things are mentioned to be fair to both sides. But uh, yeah, moving on. But, uh, for me, the issue of childbirth and abuse makes this a non-starter. Inevitably, children will result and the children will be real messed up from the inbreeding that's the genetic component in addition to that can you imagine all the abuse that will happen if a father is allowed to view his children sexually or if an older brother views his sibling sexually because there's no such thing as a switch the father let's say the father has a daughter the, the father won't start viewing his daughter sexually the moment she turns 18 and it's legal. No, that's not how human nature works. If a father knows that he can have a sexual relationship with his daughter, he is going to be viewing her um, as sexually attractive much away before 18. So there's no switch that you're going to be able to turn on and off. Same thing with older brothers. And really, uh, it extends to all family members, mothers and sisters as well. The abuse and potential for abuse will be enormous. And the healthy sexual development of children will be destroyed. There, there will be no safety as sexual perversion will be encouraged and celebrated within family themselves. Anyways, some of y'all might think I'm crazy, but there is a court case in New York, at least there was, over incest between a parent and an adult child. And the acronym they've chosen is P-A-A-C-N-P, which stands for Parent and Adult Child Non-Procreationable which means the parent and child cannot have children and thus should be able to form a union. And again, I've attached an article. There is the I, which stands for incest, and it is ready to join the fleet of letters under LGBTQ+. Incest and pedophilia are today's battle as our culture slides morally into more perversion. Which brings me home to the acronym LGB period. So, so this is all taking it home. I stop it there with period because lesbianism, gay, and bisexuality are easily identifiable and understandable. I don't support the lifestyle, the, the free will lifestyles that people choose. But I like to keep all the letters in front of me where the conversation is easy to have. As soon as you start adding things like two-spirit, queer, non-binary, and more, things can get complicated real fast and stuff gets made up even faster. If you want to add a letter to LGB period to me, if you want to do that, you're going to have to define each letter you're talking about clearly and coherently within the conversation, as opposed to the two of us accepting all things under the plus, like sweeping everything under the rug, because the plus just, hey, everything's accepted. I'm going to have to think about it within an individual conversation. 
As Christians, we must be loving and kind and truthful as we handle these things. I want to keep the acronym short so that I know what I'm talking about when I bring it up. And I would encourage you to do the same. Well, friends, that's all for today's topic. So we are going to move on to the devotional. We finished up Ruth last time, a book I greatly enjoyed. So I'm going to head back to the New Testament and we're going to go to first John. I'll read the first chapter of John. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared as we have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you that what we have seen and heard, so that you may also have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us all from unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. Amen. So the first thing I want to notice from this relatively short chapter is that I've struggled with First John when I read it because on on one hand, it seems so harsh. You know, I'm not allowed to sin at all. I'm not allowed to lie. I can't, that, that standard seems to be too high. And even I, as a Christian, can't meet it. And I want to say that a lot of Christians struggle with this as well. First John seems to be really harsh. However, my next point is that First John chapter 1 can only be accomplished through Jesus Christ. Assuming Jesus Christ, his righteousness and the grace that comes from him alone, having faith in him, well, then through what Jesus Christ did on the cross and us accepting him, then we are without sin. Then we can walk in the light. We can have fellowship with one another. We speak the truth. So there's this dual reality that we live, the fact that we still sin. And First John seems really harsh, But then also within that, the way God sees us is we're forgiven, we're loved, we're pure. We have the grace and righteousness of Jesus Christ on ourselves. And it's because of what Jesus Christ did, not what we did. So I do want to note those dual natures and how both things can be true. Read 1 John through the lens of Jesus Christ. Um, And also, these things are still to be generally true about Christians, that we're not supposed to 
sin. We're not supposed to uh, be in darkness, and we're not supposed to lie. All of those things are still to be true, even if sometimes we do them. We want to make sure we don't go to the other extreme of, well, I'm a Christian, I'm forgiven, so I can do anything I want. No, we have to live as Christ would to the best that we can. It won't save us, but we want to live lives that honor Christ. We want to live lives that are worthy of Jesus Christ. Think about it this way. Imagine you're wearing a jersey. And I think I may have used this analogy before. When you wear a jersey, you represent the team of that jersey. So I know here in Alabama, people are Auburn fans or Alabama fans. Well, as Christians, we wear the jersey of Jesus Christ. And we're not going to be perfect, but we are to try to live lives that are holy and pleasing to God, even if we're not, you know, obviously we mess up all the time and we need to ask for forgiveness. But anyways, that's all I had for today. It's a relatively short chapter. Give yourself grace. Uh, See yourself as bought with the blood of Jesus Christ and holy and righteous, but also go and live lives that are worthy of the calling that God has given to us, that has placed us under. But anyways, I'll pray and then uh, I'll sign off. Father, thank you for this day, Lord. Uh, Thank you for uh, my listeners. Lord, bless them as they go out this weekend to help them to serve and to love the way that you would, Father. And uh, uh, please uh, thank you uh, for the gospel. Please keep us safe, provide and protect for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, that's all for today. In case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.